Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Green Pole podcast. I'm Dan Crawford, the editor of Hamian. Uh, I'm joined by Alan Druitt. Alan, how's it going? Very well, thank you, Dan. It's good to hear your voice again. It wasn't so long ago since we were in very close proximity. Um, so uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Frankie Taylor, good evening, my son. How are you? Good evening, mate. Yeah, good to hear from you again, Dan. Long time no speak. Uh, I hope there's no major effect on the ratings of you being back. <laughs> <laughs> Took less than a minute and the two of you have slashed me horribly already. <laughs> Let's see how it goes, because... The audience needs to know that my participation in this entire project is dependent on how many of you listen to this now. <laughs> so I feel like my place in the uh, in the whole side is up for grabs right at this very moment. And speaking of which, let's start where we need to start, uh, which is how's the Emirates hangover for you, Al? It's, it's getting worse by the minute. So I left the ground yesterday and... I was in a, an upbeat mood, put it that way. And then I said on the pod earlier that the more the evening went on, the more annoyed I got at the fact that we, sh- we should have walked away with a point. Um, and the way the second goal went in, it just, yeah, it, it's made it worse. The fact that I was just on some latte firm Arsenal thing on YouTube, talking about it again. Um, and it's just like a constant migraine. So I'm looking forward to Tuesday now to dust away the cobwebs and get back, get some points on the board again. Frankie, how are you feeling about uh, how it all ended and how unjust it was? And are you ready for Brighton? Yeah, I mean, it was a disappointing result when at least the point was there and up for grabs and on the table. But um, we usually say about the championship, the good thing is that you, you have another game coming up mid week there's no time to feel sorry for yourself so maybe it's a good thing the Brighton game comes in so quickly um so we can get right straight back into business no feeling sorry for yourself we've got uh got more points there to grab absolutely and I like the confidence of both of you that we if Arsenal away is our sort of bet noir then Brighton at home has to come quite close in terms of like un you know, results that take you a while to get over because they've had a few scabby wins at Craven Cottage um, recently. Uh, how are we feeling about facing probably one of the uh, informed sides who have, in my view, the best homegrown manager that the Premier League has to offer? Frankie, I'll start with you. What, what's your sort of, how are your optimism levels going into welcoming the Seagulls to the River Thames? Yes, it's an interesting game because I'm quite looking forward to it. And I, I agree with you. I really highly rate Graham Potter. Um, they lost Dan Ashworth in the summer. He was in control of all their, their transfer dealings. But and, and I mean, on top of that, they've lost uh, Kukurea. Um, they've lost Basuma. They've sold no pay. And you, you couldn't tell that they've lost quite a few key players to their, to their side. And Graham Potter's just got them really excellently coached there's just something going right uh, at Brighton that other clubs aren't managing to replicate they can seem to just be going through through sort of any any bad things that come their way they they just glide through it and they look exactly the same um 
I think they're a really good side. They're defensively solid. So they've only conceded one goal this season. Um, and some of their patterns of play going forwards are really quite quite pretty and they can be quite devastating. So even though they've never really had an out-and-out deadly goal scorer in the Premier League, they've always had enough. They've always... They've always been able to create something with the quality of players that they have. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and that is largely thanks to the work that Graham Potter's done down there at Brighton. Indeed. I think any Albion appreciation before we lapse into anything that's overboard also has to include uh, Tony Bloom and Paul Barber, who run a very, uh, very a wonderfully uh, successful football club. Um and have really uh, got Albion uh, established as a Premier League team, and we know how difficult uh, that is. Al, how are you feeling about uh, Brighton at the Cottage, and can we uh, get some points uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night? We can definitely get some points, um, and I'd like to echo what Frankie said. I think Brighton are a, they're a good team to watch, and they're a team that provides a lot of entertainment. To the Premier League, I think they're a good fit for the Premier League. But Graham Potter's done an amazing job. And I don't think he gets as appreciated as he deserves because he's English. Um, I think if he was Spanish or Italian or French, he'd be getting more better reviews than he does. Um, But I think if Brighton had a Mitrovic or if Brighton had a goal scorer, they could well be pushing up a top eight. Um, it ain't going to be easy on Tuesday, but I'd fancy us against anyone at home other than playing against the top two, which is City and Liverpool. Um, but even if we get a point, it's not the worst the worst result in the world. At this moment in time, it would look like it'd be a good point, but hopefully we can get the three points. Yeah, I, I do agree with you that if he was Guillaume Potterici, he'd be, in, <laughs> he'd be on every sort of hit, hipsters hot list to replace whomever. Um, as it is, you know, he may just have elbowed out, elbowed out Scott Parker in the race for the next England manager's job. I mean, who knows? Let's not go uh, overboard there, Dan. I'm sure, I'm well, sure uh, you know, Parker's still number one choice. Well, indeed. You know, you don't lose <laughs> 9-0 at, uh, at Liverpool with the last goal scored by the young boy who you didn't think was worth putting in the first team. And... Uh, uh, and see your rep- reputation completely unenhanced, do you? I guess the Parker Media team is in overdrive uh, this <laughs> evening. Uh, but that, I'll, I'll leave that one there. Let's move on to um, what will the composition of Marco Silva's starting lineup uh look like uh, against Brighton? Alan, I'll start with you. Pretty harsh to make too many changes based on that Arsenal performance, no? I'm not sure harsh is the word. I, I think the, he has no choice. He doesn't have much choice to uh, make any changes because the, the players we've got on the bench just aren't good enough to, to enter the, the first eleven at the moment. Um, there's still no signings. Um, I know we said this earlier, so not, a lot's happened in a few hours. Um, but he has to start with the same eleven that he did against Arsenal. Special mention to Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson um, and Tete. Well, Tete was outstanding again against Arsenal. Yeah, I just want to see some signings down. Well, unfortunately, the power of this podcast has not 
allow for us to dictate when people might sign on the dotted line. Indeed, when I was entrusted with uh, persuading Mr. Carvalho that he might want to find the pen to sign the Fulham contract, that didn't go very well. So, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll leave that one there before I lie by anyone else. Um, <laughs> Frankie... Is there a question? Is there a, is there a possibility of maybe a change of system or a change of outlook to counter the threats that Brighton might provide? I mean, I'm assuming you agree with Al that change is not necessarily necessary, but um, uh, Marco might look to do a few things different given the change in opposition and, ve- and venue. Yeah, I, mean, I think um, you make a good point. The Brighton do play with that sort of weird free at the back system that also flips into a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2 of sorts um made Dan Burton almost famous nationally with his uh, marauding runs from left wing back um yeah so it's an interesting system that's unlike no real other in the Premier League with their overlapping centre-halves that we saw from Sheffield United um but it's got something different. They've got they've got these sort of half eights, aggressive eights and half tens that sort of float everywhere. They don't really have any any wingers. It's it's a really bizarre system, all based on on technique and passing and movement. It's almost like playing a basketball team. The ball's constantly moving. They're everywhere, and anyone can play anywhere. You think you've got their right wing back Colt going forward, but their right centre half is perfectly comfortable slipping into that flank. So it's going to be really quite interesting to see how we can try and move and manipulate the space that Brighton provides. Um, I don't see Marco Silva, though, changing anything from the from the standards, sort of 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. Uh, Arsenal, I felt Pereira was probably a bit, little bit deeper by maybe Arsenal forcing that to be the case more than anything else. Um, I'd like to see him push up a little bit more aggressively. Um, get some more bodies closer to Mitrovic. Um, don't let him get possibly swallowed up. I'm not sure you can do that to Mitrovic, but with uh, Lewis Dunk and, and Veltman, and I think Colwell might play. Um, yeah, you don't want to see him get overwhelmed by just too many. There's only so many centre-halves he can take on at one time. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but I agree with Alan. Like, we've got no choice, really, to... To change anything, I think on the pod, all all I've been saying for the last couple of weeks is, right, do you bring in Diop for Reem? And Reem's undroppable at the moment. Uh, and do you bring in Mbabu for Tete? And I weren't particularly impressed with Mbabu's run out at, at Arsenal. Um, so Kenny Tete has to stay in there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure I could change could change anything. I think it'll be the same eleven. I think it's going to stay that way until either we get bodies in or bodies back from injury. Isn't it bad, though, that the transfer window has been open for a very long time and we're here on the 20th of August saying there's no way Marcus Silva can make any changes because the squad's not strong enough. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. In hindsight, we should probably have kept uh, Anguissa knocking around. <laughs> no, Frankie, no, no, no. Let's not right, get into this. I'm going to... For, 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 for non-Hamien devotees, you might have missed the uh, sort of... I don't know, almost World War outbreak uh, that's brewing between Alan and Frankie over the merits of Andre Frank Zambo and Guisa. Yeah. And so for, for 
for the for the preserve of peace and sanity, I'm going to move on. He'll be asking <laughs> for Konchesky to come back next. Honestly, but let's not just let's not just throw in random Fulham footballers. I do have to sense, I do have to maintain a sense of order between the two of you. Um, if it's at all possible, my only comment about well, the two comments in respect of the points made. First of all, this is the Fulham way with regards to transfers. Um, and nothing's going to change. We love a deadline day uh, bargain basement raid. Um, we, we we like to spend some some moolah late in the window um, because we believe that there's some value to be had. And you know, Breda Hangeland might agree with you in, in that respect. If I might throw that one in, just but on the tactical point, he, he was a January it? signing though, Dan. Yeah, he was a January signing, but he was a late in the window uh, arrival. Um, look, I, I have a huge problem with the transfer window continuing after the season has kicked off because it, it discomforts all managers because you don't know whether your star player is still going to be there, um, you know, at the end of the window. And I think that is a competitive disadvantage for teams like us as opposed to the top teams who can just go and cherry pick whoever they want. Um, I wanted to swing it back to, to Brighton and just my only question to the both of you, is Brighton potentially a game for Tom Kearney um, to play a bit more of a role than he has done recently? Is there a, is there a path for, for more minutes for, for Kearney who I thought was excellent at Arsenal? Um, and would be an interesting option to to discomfort the Potter system, Frankie. Give me yeah. give me thirty seconds on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm I'm all I'm all for giving Kenny a bit more bit more minutes. I just don't know who you take out for that. Um, I did feel like the Arsenal game passed Harrison Reed by a little bit. Uh, I think I felt like he was just a little bit off the pace, and like Paulinho was sort of his same industrious self, but. Reed just wasn't quite as effective on those second balls. It always seemed to be Arsenal there and the ball kept pinging back. And I think that was, we struggled to get a foothold. And I think Harrison Reed not really being on pace played to that. Now, is he, is he tired? Is it just an off game? Who knows? But um, I'd be all for seeing Tom Kearney getting a bit, few more minutes. Uh, I'm just not sure you take out at this point in time. I'm not playing TC in the uh, Harrison Reed role. I'd almost be tempted to stick him in the 10 instead of Andreas Pereira who you, you referenced it played much deeper against Arsenal um, and uh, I feel like the the weight of pass of Kearney and, and getting us 5% more possession would be pivotal at home against Brighton um, that's that's just my, my, my take on that and that would be where I'd fit him in. Alan any chance the uh, the skipper makes a 251st Premier League appearance and could he start? Would you no. be up for that? No, I'd, I'd have to disagree. Um, I think Kenny... Uh, the problem is if you drop Andreas, you lose that, that bit of flair behind Mitrovic. Um, and if you bring Kenny in, then, you know, dropping Reed's an option, but I think you need legs. Um, I think you're going to need to do a lot of running Tuesday night because, as Frankie said, they seem to have players pop up everywhere. So defending is going to be just as important as attacking on Tuesday. Um, unfortunately, I don't see how Kenny gets in to the team at this moment in time. If you're dropping a winger, whether that's... The only other thing he could do is perhaps drop 
Bobby Reid or Cabano, I think it'll be a bit harsh, push Pereira out wide and then put Kearney as a 10. But then you're losing that bit of pace on the wing. It's it's difficult um, because that midfield has, has done us well so far. Um, and, you know, if it is tight and it is still level going into the 60, 65th minute, then we can see the introduction of Kearney, who can then pick that weight of pass, as you said, Dan. But no, I wouldn't start him. Yeah, you see, I might go the other way and say the impetus of Pereira off the bench with a bit more pace later on in the game might might help. Oh, I don't know. I posed it as a as a sort of philosophical wandering based on the previous conversation. But as you know, Alan, I have nine ideas uh, before 10am in the morning and normally it's the 10th one that's uh, half decent. So. Yeah, well, he's 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 slandering me throughout this. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do have the power of muting you, Mister Druitt, and I might use it at some point. I'm not um, sure you do. <laughs> don't test me. Don't <laughs> test me. Right. Um, so we canter through this little section. Um, I'm going to go a little bit early to ask you for score predictions, since we all agree roughly on the lineup. I'm going to start with Alan. What are you saying tomorrow night? I'm going for a nil-nil. Another nil-nil. We had a Parker nil-nil that was, frankly, pedestrian. But I think um, it will be an entertaining nil-nil. And I just think well, we, we're going to be defending a lot um, tomorrow Can I apologise to everyone who's now um, got a ticket for, for this game? <laughs> you might as well not show up now. No, my, so my predictions aren't always great. But no, I think we, we'll have a lot of defending to do. Um, and... I just think, yeah, it's got nil-nil written all over it. I'm sorry. And we've had the Parker nil-nil, so I'm hoping there's going to be a bit more ambition from Marco Silva. Frankie, what have you got for me? I'll stick with one all. I think uh, I think goals will be scored. Um, I, I just I, I can see a situation where Brighton do win this one, and it'll be a bit of a kick in the teeth with our fixture list. But I'm going to go with the one all, and I think I'll take that at this point in time. Absolutely. I, I said to Alan earlier, I'd take a point if it was offered to me. But I'm still feeling optimistic about Fulham matters. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 win uh, to Fulham tomorrow night. But like uh, Alan said, don't put any uh, don't put any bets on based on my predictions. Uh, only one of us worked for William Hill in the past. Um, and uh, it <laughs> wasn't Alan Druitt, if I might. Be uh, be clear about that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's let's leave it there. I, I'm going for the win because I, I feel like it's about time we beat Brighton at home. There are various games. I remember Solly March scoring a winner uh, for Brighton. Uh, I remember them Glenn Murray scoring a winner at Craven Cottage for 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 Brighton. I remember all sorts of other games at the Amex where we were very unfortunate not to win. Um, and uh, I feel like it's about time. And I will leave you with this wonderment. Uh, Frankie mentioned that Lewis Dunk is likely to start for Brighton. Uh, uh, Shane Duffy can't start for either of us. Um, the last two time those two lined up at uh, Craven Cottage against Alexander Mitrovic, um, he had a whale of a time and inspired us to come back from 2-0 down, uh, as I recall. Um to win 4-2. Uh, so that is where I'm uh, 
basing my optimism because Mitrovic is on fire and no one can stop him uh, at this point. So, right, I am going to thank Alan and Frankie for their participation uh, tonight because we're recording this, if you haven't already worked it out, on Sunday evening uh, ahead of Tuesday night's fixture just in so that we can uh, make sure you've got something to listen to on the match day. Uh, Al, thanks very much for standing in for me at various points over the past week. I really appreciate it. No you'll, be going, you'll be going uh, to the game, won't you, my friend? Of course. I'll be there with my, uh, my son, my daughter, my parents. And yeah, um, preparing for a nil-nil draw, Dan. <laughs> yeah, well, you've said it so many times now, it's probably going to happen. Cure 4-3. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's see. Hope it goes our way. Uh, Frankie, you're hoping to make it to 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 the cottage for the uh, for the visit of Albion, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be going from the office. I'll have my nice little work laptop and everything with me. Proper London uh, London evening game, apparently. But uh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there, boys. Excellent, and we we look forward to it. I'm going to finish the podcast on a very optimistic note and give a shout out to Steve J's Fulham women because I'm only just in the door from Enfield Town uh, it finished earlier on Enfield Town ladies nil, Fulham women two uh, which means that the Fulham women have won both of their league matches so far this season uh, the goals came from Georgia Heesman uh, in the first half and a Charmaine true penalty and if you've yet to see it Charmaine picked out the top bins from 12 yards which suggests she might be useful in a Motspur Park penalty training session um, to score her first goal for Fulham following her move from from Portsmouth. And uh, I I would just like to say that it's very enjoyable watching Fulham women be captained by, obviously, our great friend Mary Southgate. And there was a clean sheet that Edie Kelly will be very pleased with because it's her first clean sheet of the league season. Um, and Fulham Women would love your support uh, going forward. And we're certainly very strong supporters of both the Fulham Women, uh, the Fulham Lilies, and indeed the Her Game 2 campaign, excellently championed by Amelia Armstrong. Um, so I'm going to leave it there. We're going to look forward to, to Brighton. Hopefully you're going to enjoy listening to this. And I do hope you do, because otherwise I'm going to get the sack on our Alan. <laughs> We're going to start calling you Zach Crawley. You're on your, your final warning. You're oh, on your I, last... did, I did like I did like a little nick outside the off stump, and he cheered up my final link brilliantly, which is we must also salute the match-winning performance to set up England's innings win over South Africa. Uh, the three of us are massive cricket fans. In case. Can't tell. So, frankly, you eulogise about them folks for me. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's brilliant to just have a, a wicketkeeper that's so capable of, of batting. I mean, that what sixth wicket stand with Ben Stokes was, I mean, it just took the like, game away from South Africa. It was superb. It was uh, really, really good stuff, that. So, is it true, lads, that like England have to have a Fulham player in, in their team to win the World Cup? by George Cohen, that to be a successful test-playing nation, you've got to pick a Fulham wicketkeeper. Would, would you agree, Alan Drew? I would. 
for sure. Yeah, Frankie, are you in agreement with that assessment? <laughs> yeah, definitely. We just need to get Rory Burns back in there somehow. <laughs> too. Well, we he might lose. replace. He might replace uh, Zach Crawley before long if uh, Zach's father stops carrying Rob Key's golf clubs all around various uh, courses in uh, in England. But as I say, I'm probably going to get us taken off the air with all this slander. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to finish it there. Alan, thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Frankie, always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, same here, guys. Loved it. Great stuff. Uh, we'll see you after Brighton to go through what happened and to look forward to our trip uh, back to North London uh, at the weekend. I've been Dan Crawford. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for listening to the Green Pole Podcast.